Welcome to the Brendan Burns Show. I'm Brendan Burns, and I interview and share the stories of high performers, happiness engineers, and people who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, pro athletes, and entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy instead of status or money. In each episode, we share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Joining me today is one of my mastery Instagram students and former professional football player, John Bronson. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, my pleasure. So you were just telling me a little bit about your background, and I think the listeners would love to hear your full story, but you mentioned that you had a, uh, your father was in the military and that kind of, you were bouncing around growing up? Yeah, so uh, my dad was in the military. I was born in Hawaii, and so I lived in Hawaii four years. Uh, he was in the Army, and then you know, four and a half years later, we moved to Germany, which, uh, you know, for me, I was in a German school. Uh, my sister was born in Germany. And then another four years later, uh, you know, by the time I'm eight, now we moved to Seattle. So by the, before I'm even eight years old, I'm already been in two countries. And then so we get to Seattle and uh, been in many different places around Seattle. Um, Seattle's a very, Washington's a very big city. So if you've never been to Washington, I mean, there's, you know, there's Seattle, there's, there's Tacoma, but there's also the, uh, you know, the east, east part of Seattle. So it's a very big uh, state. And so we bounced around Seattle for a lot. And uh, so that's where I really got my start in number, number one, traveling, uh, like yourself. Uh, you know, you love to travel. I love to travel. And it really started from the time I was young, uh, mm -hmm. traveling everywhere, uh, traveling with my parents with, uh, on whatever it was, military or just different trips. And that's where I really fell in love with travel at a young age. Um, then from there, uh, I that's about the time where I started to get into football. I remember when I was, uh, I was about, uh, uh, shoot, about nine years old or so. My uncle, uh, who's, who's no longer, no longer here, but he had put me into football. Uh, my parents didn't want me to play football. They thought I would get hurt. And I was, you know, didn't want me to, didn't want me to play, especially if I was going to play up, meaning play, uh, on a, on a higher grade than I was at. And I never forget the first time I went out in the football field. Uh, I made like uh, like the first play. And then I made like the maybe a couple plays after that. And then I think, needless to say, after that they were like, "Okay, well, I guess he can play another <laughs> another another few, <laughs> few games." And a few games turned into another year, and another year turned into you know overall 19 years of football. So wow! And how old were you when you these first games were? Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, like eight or eight, eight or eight or nine or something. I was super young. Wow. And, uh, so uh, so with all of that, you know, you never know how things would turn out. And if it wasn't for my uncle putting me in football, who knows, you know, what would have been uh, with football career. But with that, um, I continued to excel uh, with football um, along with my at my younger brothers. I I'm the oldest of four, so I have a he, I have a sister who's uh, probably the best athlete in our family. 
She was a basketball and track athlete. Then I have a younger brother who also played football, played for uh, Eastern Washington and, uh, and Seattle Seahawks. And then I have another younger brother who's actually bigger than me, who's currently playing for the University of Washington. So, uh, so we, we come from a like, long extensive background of sports. Wow. Yeah. And, and to what do you attribute that in terms of genetics versus family involvement versus mental, mental state? You know, I, I think it's a combination. Obviously, genetics has a huge play. My dad, 6'8", you know, near, you know, near 290 or so. So, you know, he's a very big stature. My mom is, you know, from a, a very uh, big-boned family, so to speak. So you add those combinations there genetic, genetically. But the other side, too, is, is that we, uh, I, I think everybody was just, you know, we had a heart. It just want and, and will, you know, to 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 press and be the best in in the sports that we were at and you know I obviously had to kick that off being the oldest kid and then I hopefully uh, the goal was to be a uh, a leader for them to follow uh, mm. and help them to reach their goals uh, both academically and also in sports so mm-hmm. uh, so I, I'm, I one thing I am proud of is, is being able to hopefully to, you know to be a leader for for my siblings so that's uh, awesome and yeah. I and I want to get get more dive more into that but let's just go back to so you're you're eight or nine years old your your uncle wants you to play ball your family is like not so sure and then you come out and you crush it first yeah. of all what, what position were you lining up as at the time i was defensive tackle so they had me right, right next to the ball basically and so you know all you had to do is tell me i didn't even need to know what to do just go get the ball well i mean i'm gonna do that go get the ball so <laughs> yeah so uh, but as I go older, I started to fill out a little more and and uh, and and go into other positions that were more skilled positions like tight end. You know, I've been playing tight end and and defensive end, so uh, being very mobile. But as a young kid, I was just you know trying to to get in the game and and, and get my feet wet. Didn't even know what I was really doing. You know, at that at, the, at that young age. Yeah. Uh, but I had a lot of fun. That was kind of a big important part and. Uh, Little did I know, become a huge part of my life uh, later on in life. But at that time, it was just a ton of fun. That's so. That's awesome. So you're you're playing football. You're having fun. You're excelling. Now walk us through the progression of, I guess, middle school, high school football, college. Yeah. So let me. I guess before I go there, let me say this because it's really important. And yeah, on education, uh, along with sports, uh, especially any any. young kids or, you know, kids that are listening. So when I was in uh, middle school, I had, uh, I believe it was like seventh grade. Uh, I didn't do very well in school. And so uh, it was a a very hard lesson that my parents taught me. They yanked me from football. So I got yanked from football um, in the middle of, of the season of my seventh grade, of my seventh grade year. So you can imagine how much of an impact that had moving forward. So needless wow. to say, after I got yanked that for those last four or five games, I never wanted to experience it again uh, moving forward. So I made sure my grades was in order to, you know, to play football. So my parents were very adamant about uh, getting good grades and, you know, and being a, a scholar in the classroom. And so that was something that was, uh, that I also made a bigger importance uh, at that early age. Wow. So, what, a, what a great lesson. And, and so what do you think, what do you think was 
causing you to not perform in school? Like, you know, how did that experience change the way you thought about it? You know, I just think it was just focus. Um, you know, I, I was turning the corner of, uh, and a little complacency. Yes, you can have complacency in, at seventh, you know, and as a seventh grader. Sure. Um, and uh, so I just think I needed a little fire, and that was it. Uh, pulling football, something that was so dear to me away, you know, hurt. Um, if it was something less severe, you know, it may not have been as impactful, but they pulled football from me. And I, I'm sure it hurt them too to not see me play, but it also for sure hurt me not to be on the field when there's you know, games to be played and things like that. So I just think, you know, sometimes we all need a little push and, you know, from somebody, whether it's a mentor in this case, in that case it was my parents and, you know, or, or whoever, friends or, or whoever. And uh, at that early, I, I learned that uh, lesson early to, you know, get, get your things in order uh, that you need. In this case, it was my grades to continue to play football. Mm -hmm. uh, so what a great lesson. So you learn the lesson, you're like, all right, I'm a baller, but I got to do well in school too. Absolutely. And uh, then, yeah, and then take us through kind of the progression into middle school and high school and how that yes. went. So I went from uh, middle school and uh, play, played three years in middle school. So in Washington State, middle school is three years. And then uh, you go to high school for three years. So finished out my middle school, which I know it's middle school. And then uh, where things really got churning was in high school. And that's where uh, the process really starts to begin uh, for football. And my um, sophomore year, uh, I was a starter in my sophomore year uh, on, on a high school football team. And that's where college just starts to come. And you start getting noticed and um, more papers, more interviews, all these things start to happen uh, when you're in high school. So definitely was a lot of pressure, number one, but also, um, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was different. Like before I was playing football for fun. Now it's starting to turn into uh, <laughs> more of a career as a, in high school. And I haven't even, you know, reached college yet or, you know, or anything like that. So but once again, like dealing with high school and, and being on a team, uh, we struggle a lot. My high school team struggled a lot. So also trying to keep my team together, be a team leader. Um, I even one point I had to, was on the advisory board to hire the new coach. Think about that as a player on your high school team, being advisor, hiring the coach. So all these things, all these uh, leadership qualities I was learning super early in, in high school to, uh, be an effective leader and make executive decisions for not only myself, but also um, my friends, my, you know, my teammates that uh, were, were counting on me to, to help lead them as, as you know, one of their captains. So yeah. huge process in, in high school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so I'm thinking you're like 15 or 16 years old. Yeah. You're starting, I'm assuming on the varsity team. Varsity team, yeah. And you're, you're helping uh, hire the new coach, holding a bad team together. Also, you know, if you screw up with grades, your parents could yank you from the yeah. team again. Sure. And you have scouts coming uh, from the or from college thinking about NFL career. All, as you said, all, all while uh, keeping grades together and and extracurricular, right? I still have to work. Um, you know, in high school, I uh, I, I worked at 
I just went back to Washington too. It was kind of fun. I worked at uh, ever Chuck E. Cheese. Oh yeah, the uh, arcade, the kids. Arcade, yeah, so that was my like my high school claim to fame was working at Chuck E. Cheese, and uh, so you know, adding that in the mix on so working on weekends after football games at uh, Chuck E. Cheese and then the local McDonald's, just trying to pay for my cleats and shoes for uh, you know for, for for football season. Uh, so yes, a lot of responsibility, but all of that responsibility helped to mold me for what was to come next. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, again, little did I know that, but, um, you know, people around me really felt obviously that I can take a, uh, a lot on and still be effective and, and, and take the next step. So, uh, then here comes college, you know, as, uh, as, High school starts to wind down. I eventually uh, pick a school. I mean, it wasn't as black and white as it, you know may seem if you ever watched like the varsity blues or something like that. Like, and I, I initially actually I committed to Washington State, uh, Penn State first. Excuse me, I committed to Penn State first. Uh, went through a whole recruiting process, did trips, went to Washington State, then came back to Penn State, and eventually went to Penn State for school, and um, got to Penn State. Uh, what was it about Penn State that uh, made you choose their program as opposed to Washington State? You know, uh, uh, it was different. So, number one, it was on the East Coast. I think I liked that. I was already accustomed to being in Washington for, you know, a number of years. Uh, and uh, I was ready for a change. Um, given my background of, of traveling a lot, I was used to being in, in uh, of, uh, a – a place that was far away. So I had no, no problem being on the East coast, uh, things like that. And once you get to Penn state, it's just, it's just different. Uh, the culture is different. It's uh, it's a college town. Everything revolves around football. You can take that how you like, but <laughs> that's what it is. And, um, and you, you felt like this welcome. And, uh, but with that, it was a little bit of, of uh, like an edge about Penn State and, and just from the, the culture from the football team. And obviously they were winning and they were like the number one or number two team in the nation at the time that I was getting recruited. So that also helped as well. But, but when you had that going on, did you say to them like, look, I know you guys are top two in the nation. Like what's my playing time opportunity here? Because I'm sure if you go to a, a school that's still great, but not one in the nation, maybe you could be the team captain or something like that. Absolutely. That was a huge gamble. Uh, yeah. They had LeVar Arrington, Courtney Brown, um, that were one and two draft picks that year. Uh, and also the you know, top players in, in, in college football that were on Penn State. Um, and so with a slew of others that were waiting in the wings. And so I think for me, what it was, it was you do a little bit of homework, do a little bit of research, understand what, what it is. At least that was the process going in. And then you just have to go balls out and just like, you know, uh, give it your best effort, you know, show up every play, believe that you, you can be better, do better than the next man. And, and, and that's what I believe how, you know, how things, uh, are you know and everything's not going to be always be teed up for you to just kind of like to segue right in you know i had no clue i would i would you know be a be a starter at penn state for 
you know, three years, but, you know, it, it worked out because I kept, you know, busting my, my butt. So, uh, yes, it, it is a huge gamble to be able to do that. I could have easily went to Washington State and, and may have been a surefire fit, maybe even a little bit faster, but, you know, I was – I wanted to go to a place where I really loved and really enjoyed and also know that I come away with a good education and also have a better chance of getting to my ultimate goal, which was, you know, the NFL. So that Got was, it. Yeah. And, and, and at what point did you, did you start thinking or feeling like the NFL was an option for you that when you were in high school? And if so, like what kind of brought that feeling on? Yeah, no, not necessarily in high school. Um, I would say, uh, I would say uh, so it's a little dark here, huh? It's all uh, good. I can see you now. Okay, okay. Yeah. I would say college was about when I started thinking about it. Of course, when you're in high school, you know, you, you see those guys on TV and you go, oh, man, you know, it'd be so nice to get to the league. But, uh, you know, I didn't really want to over, overstep that boundary knowing that, you know, I had four years of college, you know, to come and that uh, definitely was uncertain. So, uh, you never lose sight. I guess, let me, let me stop there. I guess I would be lying if I said not in high school because I used to have uh, a lot of different cards on my wall with uh, from different players, uh, you know, like Emma Smith or even like a Desmond Clark, uh, uh, who's a big tight end uh, that I, I really enjoyed. Uh, gosh, there was a couple of the, uh, a couple of the other tight ends, the Dallas tight end, I forgot his name, uh, Kuzak or something like that. But I had these guys on my wall, like, and so it's like, okay, well, do what they're doing. Oh, they ran this 40? Okay, I can do that. Oh, they've been this much? Oh, I can do that or better. And uh, the ironic irony of, ironic thing about all this is that a lot of these guys, I end up meet, meeting full circle at some point. So it was like, it was like a really cool thing uh, uh, to, to meet a lot of these guys that I admired when I was younger. Mm. Um, to be like, ah, you know, you're on my wall, you know. Some of those guys, I didn't let them know I was on their wall. They wanted to be creepy or anything, but. Uh, <laughs> but you but, used to uh, sleep right next to me. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> definitely, you know, a, a, a eye-opener moment that I could be able to meet these guys. Uh, and, when you, and when you were like sort of, you had these idols or these people that you really respected and looked up to, yeah. um, because like the people that I coach, whether it's like high performance business or life coaching, I'm always telling people like get either mentors or get people that you really look up to and, and model like what they've done. Like you were like, what's their bench? What's their 40 time? I can do this. Like, how did you pick, or, or maybe you didn't go out and pick them, but what resonated with you about the, those particular players? A number one that they were at the top of their game at their given time. Uh, I'll give an example, like Desmond Clark, I remember he went to Wake Forest and he was just going into the draft. And I was, it was like my junior, senior year. So it was, so I could almost visualize myself in his shoes because he was a high, high draft pick. And oh, okay, well he did that, you know, I know what I have to do in order to at least to be in the ballpark. Some of those other guys are in the league. Um, and, you know, some guys are just there as inspiration, like an Emmett Smith. I wasn't a running back, but the fact that Emmett Smith was tearing it up for, like, you know, five consecutive years, like it was, you know, he's doing something right. So you want to look at everything he does, regardless if we don't play the same position. Um, but what it really came down to was just being able to measure and, and, uh, and, and like you said, you, utilize and leverage 
any advisement and mentorship that you can from them. And in this case, it wasn't verbal because I didn't know them. Uh, I didn't know them in person, but I studied everything like I did. Um, and that's, that's something that I took with me that uh, really helped to be able to understand like how I, I could fit for, for eventually the next level, just understanding what was required. Uh, you know, as I said, just simple things, uh, bench press, 40s, uh, you know, even, even their, um, uh, any, any of their scores really helped me to identify what they did so I can do it somewhat similar or better when I get to that, that particular mark. So wow, that's yeah, really, that's really, a lot of research, a lot of, a lot of advisement and mentorship that you, you know, that you just encumber all in one. So. Yeah. No, that's really smart how you kind of went about that maybe just organically, but so you're, you're following these people, you're thinking about it in high school a little bit, but college is where you really start to think about going, going pro potentially. So tell us what it was like coming into Penn state. You're gonna be there for four years. You want to make, you want to get started. You're starting to think about NFL. What was that whole program like? Whole yeah, experience? So, so I, I never forget. I finished high school a week later. I'm on planes to, to Penn state. Oh man, I feel like life is good at this point. And new, new college student, you know, college town, and you know, waking parents and all that stuff. So you like, you feel like you got like this whole new freedom. But uh, uh, you know, I, I loved every bit of it. Uh, you know, it started off very fast. I mean, out of the gate, you are college is very, especially at Penn State, is very structured. Especially when you're an athlete at, at Penn State, when you're a football player at Penn State. I played under Joe Paterno, who was a very military-like background, was very rigid in his ways. You know, had to be clean-shaven. I couldn't, I couldn't have this today over there. I would be, uh, be clean-shaven. Uh, you had to, if you were 10 minutes early, you were on time. Um, if you were on time, you were late. And so- What happened if you were actually late? Then yeah, you would not be in that meeting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. And he was serious. Like, and I, I've seen uh, everything under the sun didn't matter who you were from starter to bench warmer. Um, um, you followed the same rules. So it was very hard and very structured. But the other side to it, if you just followed the rules, then you had no problems. So you learned all of these things super early, like your super wake up call. And if you didn't, you, you would be running a, a heck of a lot or, or you wouldn't be playing or, or something that really hurts, um, you know, you, you that you wouldn't want to do. But uh, so to answer your question deeper, that's what my college is like. I mean, my experience was like it was very structured in terms of, of going to class on time. We had class checkers. I don't know if you ever uh, would ever think that somebody would actually make sure that you're in class. So we had class checkers. And, uh, and if you missed a class, meaning that the, the person that was checking to see if you were in class, if you wasn't there, you would get in trouble. But how do you balance, like, I mean, I, I don't know what Penn State's like, but I've seen, like, hard knocks and behind the scenes of the NFL. Like, you're probably practicing multiple hours a day, watching film, I'm assuming every day, at least a little bit. And like, how do you balance everything? Class, practice, wake up, all this stuff. You just, you just do it. I wish it was like a magic pill to say, but you just do it. And, and uh, you have a little bit of help from, at the end of the day and with some structure. 
but you know, you're up at 6 a.m. and uh, some people have morning workouts, then you go to class, class, you may got time for a quick 30 minute nap, turn around, go to meetings, practice, dinner, study hall, home by 10, do it again. And that was, and that was, that's a cycle. And so you learn to adjust your body. You learn to adjust your mind. You learn to adjust, you know, your, your, your whole to, to fit a structure that is as, as uh, rapid pace and, and as full as it was. And so it's different from a regular college student scenario where you may even have time for other extracurriculars. There was no intramural times or, you know, for, for intramural basketball and none of that, or, you know, it was, it was strict football, school, uh, and then all the things that came with it. So, yeah, yeah. Amazing. So, so at this point, you're at Penn State, you're in the program, um, you're playing tight end and you're a freshman. So, yeah, so let's talk about that for a second. So I was recruited as a defensive end. And then I got moved to tight end. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was recruited as a tight end. And then I got moved to defensive end. Wow. So, now, I guess those are similar positions because you're across. But, but they're so different because, like, you're going from, like, trying to kill the quarterback to, catch, to being a receiver. Exactly. So the other uh, good part to that is that I, I played both and I got recruited for both. So it wasn't foreign to me to play mm-hmm. event. So I ended up playing Divas event for three years. I redshirted my first year. So that was kind of like a, the redshirt year means like that you practice and you go through those things so you don't play. So your, your, your first year, you actually have a little more time because you don't have to physically play in games and, uh, and, and you practice just a, a little bit less. Um, so, uh, so I played Divas event and then uh, for three years I had an outstanding, great uh, time with that. And then I moved to tight end in my senior year. And that's where I uh, ended up going to the league as a tight end in my senior year. Wow. So what? So you played two years on the field. You're like you were starting the end, and then senior year they switched you to tight end. Switched you to tight end, but it was uh, yes, it was. Uh, my coach Joe Paterno thought that I would have a better chance at making it to the league as a tight end, and also uh, I did it to help the team. We were we were depleted at tight end. We had. Uh, a tight end to go to the league the year before. There's only about one tight end left. Uh, and so I was very familiar with it, knew that I could change positions uh, very quickly. And uh, then I also had to believe in in uh, Coach Eternal that this decision would help me better my chances of making it to the league. So, wow. Yeah. And, but you hadn't gone out for passes since, what, high school? I ain't gone out for passes since high school. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, well, I got to catch the ball again. <laughs> I got to learn how to catch the ball now, and I had to speed that process up, you know, put three and a half years worth of catching a ball into one year. Wow. Uh, and, and, but, and, and what kind of tight end were, were you playing? Were you more of a blocker or going out or both? I was, I was for sure block blocker first. Blocker okay. First. Uh, and then – but I, but I want some passes. I didn't, I didn't have a ton of catches, but it was it was great. I still played and played a little bit of DN too, ironically, on that same. Oh year. wow! Yeah, so that was still fun. And uh, but I, you know, I had a couple of scores or and uh, you know and, and some and some catches, so it was it was all great. And, uh, That's awesome. And what and out of the four years, or I guess more importantly, the three years that you were playing and starting, which year like 
was there a best year in terms of like Penn State's national performance? Absolutely. 2002 was our best year. We had uh, it was best year for everybody uh, in, in terms. It was the big year. We were, we were highly ranked that year. We had Larry Johnson who went to uh, play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, who else? We had uh, a guy named Lincoln Kennedy. I don't know if you follow a guy named uh, Spice Adams. Ever heard of Spice Adams or Anthony Adams? Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, he's, he's also big, uh, you know, uh, Instagrammer as well. But he was our D tackle, so he got played right next to him. We had a, we had a, we had a lot of guys come out, Michael Robinson. So we had a lot of guys come out for uh, Robbie Gold. I don't know if you're following for the Bears, but no, you're probably not being in New York. Um, <laughs> uh, so a ton of guys came out that year, and that was our best year that we had. And so. Uh, yeah, and we had some years that weren't so successful, but you know that's kind of the way it goes. And and, and the program eventually rebuild, and and uh, you know now they're on top of the world right now, minus our Ohio State loss on Saturday, which I'm still a little bitter about. <laughs> Tough loss, and then oh, at the end, you guys dominated, especially the first half. Oh, I'm so bitter. I was I was there. I was, I was there, and you know everything was electric. And I started to go sidetrack here, but it's important. Everything was electric. Everything was on, on, on point. And then we, we don't pull it out, put it that way. So. But, hey, that must be fun to be like a former starter, played in the league, come back, you get to watch the alum games. That's yeah, got to be a cool feeling. Absolutely. No, it's, it's the best show on earth. I mean, better than you know, any, any game, any, any other level, I would. Penn State football, going back to your alma mater, it's, just, it's, it's always an honor. Yeah, that's great. So, so your senior. So, talk to us a little bit about sort of being senior year. Mm-hmm. Switch positions. We you feel good and comfortable about it. Coaches looking at how can we get you to the league. What's scouting like? What's you know you're still going to class. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. How do you balance class with playing? And then what's like the pro recruiting process for the NFL? So uh, I. For me, actually, it worked out pretty good. I was graduating December of 2004, and then so I did not start preparing for the league until uh, 2005. Yeah, because January 2005. And so just as uh, the season ends in about November, and then automa- automatically agents start, start to come. You know, you get a call from agents, letters. Um, uh, it's, like, it's like a recruiting process over again. So you're meeting with them. You're trying to find out the best scenario for you. What contacts do they have? Who do they know? Who do they have in the league already? Um, just all these things that wrap into one. So, so I ended up choosing my agent fairly early uh, just so I can get things going and know a direction. Uh, and then in January, I come back into State College and uh, go to Penn State to train. A lot of guys may go to other places to train. Um, I, I personally think it's uh, stupid unless you're like for sure first rounder because you have to pay for it so at your school you normally don't have to pay for it so I stayed in my school we have a great training program so I stayed in my school to train there at this point you were again just kind of like lights um, going uh, kind of balls to the walls so to speak and just uh, putting your best effort out there um, in training uh, for me, I wanted to go into this uh, four-month window knowing that I gave everything I had, everything I had. So I didn't do anything. I didn't have a drink. I didn't eat a slice of pizza. 
I didn't eat unhealthy at all. I didn't do anything that I thought that would hinder any chance mentally or physically from being able to perform the best that I could at the NFL combine, uh, at, at our combines. Wow. And how did you maintain that like mental strength? Cause I got people coming to me that saying, Brent, I can't make it to the gym today. And, and we know that everyone's stronger and more powerful than that. What did you do or what was going on in your mind that gave you that laser focus? Uh, number one, uh, I will, I'll start by saying this. Everybody has the ability to be laser focused and to do whatever that you want. If you put your mind to it, it sounds so cliche, but it's, it is the honest truth. For me, I had to literally lock myself into a room for the most part. Uh, I moved off campus. Um, very little people knew where I lived. So there was no chance for say, hey, John, I'm coming over for a beer or whatever. There was not a chance because I, I didn't give anybody that, that option to, uh, to do that. So I, I, I became really isolated. But this is all for the well-being of what I wanted to accomplish. Right. So, um, and uh, I, I really put a lot of focus into it. It takes a lot of, lot of discipline, a lot of, lot of mental focus. I would, again, it's really hard for me to, uh, to kind of break into how, how because I, I just feel like I just do it, just did it, just did it. But it was that important to me. What was the most important thing to me was that I wanted to make sure that if I – did not make the league, I can say, you know, John, I to look myself in the face and say, I gave it everything I had. That was what was something that was my driver to be able to, to get to that point. So a lot of times people, you know, that you want to get to a certain point, but you got to be willing to do what it takes to get there. And that's a lot of sacrifice. I mean, you're thinking about this. I'm a college kid. Number one party school in the nation. Uh, <laughs> number, you know, uh, there's you know bars all in, uh, and parties all around. There's pizza places on every block. So, and I mean, there's uh, many of reasons why you could not do something. And so, but I wanted it so bad, at least for myself, to be able to say, "Hey, look, if I did not go down this route, I gave it everything I had to be able to uh, to make it happen." And that's what I feel 100. Um, was confident on to get me through those those times. Amazing. That's just so so motivating and inspiring to hear that. And so you, so you train, getting ready for the combine. Then what happens? Yeah. Well, let me say this. And usually, I think they're the same. What's it? It's like twenty one days to break a habit. So after the first couple of weeks, I was I was good. It was normal to me at that point. So I was normal. It was normal to be able to eat eat everything healthy. Normal to to not do all these things. So anyway, so I'm training for the uh, the combine. Combine day conference, uh, and uh, you know, 25 to 30 scouts, almost every team in the league, the league is here. And, uh, you know, I, I had went down this trail before, meaning that we have, I've already practiced what I was going to perform. So all I had to do was do it one more time. And I did this time, right? So exactly what I, what I did. I mean, I ran uh, one of the best 40s of my life, caught every ball. Um, I even played defense. I had some coaches want me to play defense, defensive end, and tight end, uh, whatever they wanted. Uh, and uh, so at that point, you just just a waiting game. Uh, uh, and then the draft comes around April, 
You're sitting in front of two. Again, I was I, I was by myself. A lot oh, where, where, where did you watch the draft? I was in Penn, Penn State in my, my little 400-square-foot um, apartment, uh, you know, watching on the TV. Yeah. And, and did you have any kind of projection of, like, what round? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I knew it was going to be later. I knew it was going to be a tough uphill battle. I only played tight end for one year, and here am I trying to go to the league as a tight end, so I knew it was going to be an uphill battle. But I was hoping to get in around the, the sixth uh, round. That was, that was where I kept hearing things. So around that time, that's where calls started to come. I called from Green Bay and, and the Titans and Dallas and uh, I think it was even uh, New England at the time. They're so calling you? Call, uh, calling me, yes, or calling my agent. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I think a couple of them was from my agent. Come, Green Bay called me directly. Don't ask me how that happened, but they, they called me directly to tell me, and this is the frustrating part, this is the funny part, tell me, hey, we got a pick coming up. We're, we're, you're on our board, but we're not sure. So, like, you, they think you're telling me they're going to pick you, but they're telling you that we want to make sure that you're uh, alive and healthy and, and you want to come here. And we're like, yeah, of course. Like, uh, Yeah, it's like a supermodel being like, hey, I want to go on a date with you. Yeah. Are you interested? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Exactly. So those are the calls are like. And so every call was nerve-wracking. You're just like want to pull your hair out. And uh, so lo and behold, they eventually took some other players, obviously, and then I am going free agent. But uh, my type of free agent, I was a what they call a priority free agent, which means that I basically signed – agreed to the Arizona Cardinals before the draft was over. Mm. So how do you get, how do you get that kind of priority status if you don't get drafted? Um, it's, it's just where they have you fall in your draft board. I mean, I was already floating around anywhere from five to seven right. rounds. So they also understand too, at this time that every other team is also looking for priority. So it's like a literally a, negotiation that happens in like I swear three minutes with with you know what what the, the dollar amount of the signing bonus is going to be where now now the ball's in my court so now you got I got you know three or four different options to yeah. go, which is which is crazy that like you know just 10 minutes earlier the ball wasn't my court now the ball's in my court and I have three options where where I'm going to go da, da, da. so all these things happen literally like you got you got to think fast wow so, so, so it was between who Arizona Arizona, uh, Dallas, uh, Houston Texans, and uh, I think – oh, and Seattle. And uh, it was very tempting to go to Seattle. But they, yeah. were, they had their tight ends unlocked, so I wasn't – there was no way I was going to do it. But it was very tempting to go to Seattle, playing for, potentially playing in front of my, my, my home. But uh, I went to Arizona because it was a no-brainer fit. They had a, a tight end that was retiring. I retired the year before or just retiring, they had a couple of rookie tight ends, which I was confident that I could battle with. So they had a very depleted tight end um, core. So that's, that's how I picked, picked up there. I almost went to Houston, though, because uh, their signing bonus was a little bit better. So I took less to go to Arizona, which ended up being a better fit because, you know, I was saying I'm making a team in Arizona. Nice. So that whole process, man, uh, from my aspect, I mean, you know, there's other – Players and you know, especially football, may talk to give you a different aspect because they may hire draft picks or or something else. But mine was the right. I was always been in that bubble stage where there's a you know the five to seven range, um, and that 
that time frame was just it was really stressful. So and then yeah. you're waiting for some one of thirty two teams all across the country to be like, all right, you're moving here. Yeah. Then you're like, okay, actually now these three teams are calling me and you get to pick. Exactly. <laughs> or and five then, or six teams, yeah. So after that, uh, they said, oh, great, well, uh, we got a ticket for you, leaving in the morning. Uh, that night, I ended up going to uh, my, my friend's uh, place there, and I go, and they saw the draft, so they just assumed that I didn't get drafted, and that would be sad, but I, I kind of was, because I didn't get drafted. And then I, and I go, yeah, I, but I'm going to Arizona, and they were like, and they started like cheering, like, it was great. For me, it was like, okay, I get it, but you know, I had, I, my goal was to get drafted, so, uh, and that didn't happen. So now I had to take what I was, was handed there and take the next step and go to Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I get to Arizona, yeah. uh, undrafted rookie free agents. Uh, and day one, I'm, fo- I'm laser focused, laser focused. Uh, and what that means is that I'm doing things that probably most others wouldn't do. I'm standing, coming early, staying late, staying in my blocks longer, you know. And I apologize to the starters you know, start us later because I'm a scout team at this point, meaning that, like, I'm not trying to, like, hurt you or trying to prove a point to trying you. To make, trying to make the team. Team. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if I'm a little more aggressive than maybe somebody else is, look, you already have your check. You're good. You're not going to get cut. I will. So, so, so I need to make sure that, these coaches understand and know my stuff and all these things. So end up just really having a great preseason uh, special team. What's that process like? Because what, it's like a 53 man roster, but there's a lot more people there trying to make it, right? Absolutely. It's not up to nine, starts about 90, then it goes to 75 and it goes to 53. Wow. And you know, you, there's really no time to even think about it. Like you're just hoping that the Grim Reaper, doesn't knock on your door or near or, or, or pull your playbook and uh, tell you to go talk to the coach. And so, you know that. And so every week you saw the locker room get smaller and smaller and smaller and you're still there until that last day, right before, right before on, they call black uh, Friday, I think, which is the black Monday, which is the final cut day. And then you just literally go there and, See these Grim Reapers coming and pulling people. It's it's literally like sad to see. I'm not I'm not even joking because you because just like you see and like just live just like go out the door. And did you have any good friends who were like you're talking to them and then the assistants like hey you need to go talk to coach and you're like oh absolutely yeah and what's crazy about the league sometimes you so a lot of those people you don't even you may see once uh, once out of the past ten years or whatever but you know, some of those guys you don't ever see again. Uh, now Facebook, you know, it's helped a little bit, but, you know, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, it's, it's a very cutthroat process. And then, but I ended up being still there. Uh, and then about three o'clock came around, which was the time we had the squad meeting for the new team. I was like, okay, all right. Uh, there's like a minute and 30 seconds. I'm going to get picked off in the hallway <laughs> or something. Like, this is, this is too good to be true. I'm looking at another guy who's a rookie. He's looking at me. We're looking at each other like, you know, or like, did we just make the team? Like, it was making the team. And we sat down in the chairs. And until he said, all right, guys, 
in this room is the guys we're going with. That was like the biggest sigh of relief. I was like, oh my gosh, he just made the freaking NFL football team a rookie year <laughs> as a free agent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you talk about reaching, obtaining goals and being in a place where like you felt energized and uh, really a big turning point, you know, for me in that. Yeah, and, go back to that. Go like, try to like really like get back into that moment mentally because everyone like i have one of those moments when i got my first like wall street investment banking job like yeah. i know what i was wearing what street yeah. i was on like what was good tell us of that experience like where were you what were you wearing what was going oh. through your mind well i was for sure i was i was in the locker room for sure and uh you know i was just in my practice clothes because you're still going through everything as you're on the team so you're not on the team until until they pull you so you're still going through everything. So I went through the system just as I would. I uh, go to the cold bath, and then I go to the hot bath, go to the steam room or the sauna, get a little treatment, take my ankles, go through the whole process. Um, but you do. I'm a lot more nervous at this point. So it's not like regular. It's like I, I, I'm glad they didn't take blood pressures at that point. <laughs> you're in this, like, private club with, like, all these sick features, and you're like – yeah. Is this gonna last? Is this gonna last? Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you're just there as nervous as all heck. And um, you know, you have the older veterans. You know, they 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 go on their day as normal because they know that they're good. You know, the Larry Fitzgeralds. I play with guys like Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden and um, uh, Edron James, uh, Kurt Warner, uh, Matt Leinard. Uh, Wow. And Cheryl Roll. I mean, a lot, a lot of great players I've played with. So a lot of these guys, you know, that were there, they, they know that they were good. So they don't have the anxiety like I do. Right. And then some of the other you know, rookies and, and, and people that are, uh, you know, anticipating getting cut. So, yeah, so you're just there. You're just trying to be as normal as possible in the moments and, um, and just hope that you don't, feel this person come over you and say coach wants to see you that's what you know like that's that's what you're open for and so you know i i uh i will say i'm glad i only had that moment once in my life which was at the, at that you know the end of my my short career but not having it it was such a great feeling to be able to be on the team as a rookie free agent. I mean, it's very tough. There's, it is like 0.01% of rookie free agents to make the team. And for, for, for me to make that, and also another two tight ends, which is another great buddy of mine. We both are rookie free agents to make the team, which is like, um, you know, it was such an honor, such a, such a blessing. It was, it was just, it was great, man. That's awesome. And it, and it wasn't, I mean, you talk about everyone's like, oh man, like 0.01% so lucky, but I don't see any luck. Like you had the right mentality, attitude, approach. Like this, I'm loving this recording because when people listen to it, they're going to be able to take so much of what you've done and to apply that to their own life. Like you just, you did it, you executed perfectly. Yeah, no, there's no luck in this sort of, you know, I mean, I, look, we all have a little bit of luck in something, I mean, uh, for whatever, but it is grit, it's grind, it is, you know, a lot of everything. Just like as being a, you know, as in the big business owner, entrepreneurs, when you go through the waves and ups and downs, it was the same exact way going through this process. But at the end of the day, like I said, the number one thing was that I wanted, I came away wanting to give everything I had every single day. And that's what 
Uh, that's how I live my day to day with. I mean, I say I give a hundred percent to the day and, um, at the end of the day, whatever I'm, I'm doing, you know, uh, personally, it was, you know, spending time with my friends, my girlfriend, if it's, uh, you know, if it's business, I want to make sure that I gave a hundred percent to that day. And that's how I live my, that part of my football career, both, you know, in every phase of it to know that everything I did was 100%. Uh, I could live with that, but I can't live with myself if I gave 85% and then I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, I shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, if, if only if I would have given, worked a little bit harder, I never want to be that person to feel that way. So if I lose and I gave hundred percent, okay, I, I can deal with that. But if I lose and I gave 85%, then yeah, I'm gonna be a little bit upset, you know, about the situation. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And uh, and and what was it like? Um, I want to also transition and move over to like the business and personal life stuff. But just kind of like final football question um, to sort of like summarize kind of the career and how it played out. But also, I'm curious, like, what was it like being on the field for like an NFL game? Because it's not like you played at a small college. I'm yeah. curious, like, how being on Penn State field compared to playing for the Cardinals like I know yeah. you had that game against the Giants yeah so that that's a great question actually so that part of it was almost like uh, I had experience better being a Penn State so I wasn't so ooh and odd by the you know crowds or whatever I went to school we had you know, 110,000 people so playing in front of six or 70 was like a piece of cake so in that aspect but it was the process in which things occurred uh, you were which which I had previously in college had been a little bit warmed up to given the strict nature of our coach. So everything was re regime. Everything was on you. That was a big difference. You, this football is a business. It was not, there was no um, assistance or anybody telling you where to go. It was a business. You show up here, you do it here, you be here at this point, just, just ask any other business. And that's something that gets overlooked a lot. Like it's uh, it's very structured. And so, but coming out of the tunnel for the first time, actually, you know, theory was preseason, but my first regular season game, which, you know, uh, which is my first and last for that year, uh, man, that was great. It was, uh, we were playing the Giants. Um, I, I, I swear to you, you don't even really know at this time, like, what you're up against. And, like, so here we are playing the Giants and, uh, you know, going down a kickoff. I was on kickoff, uh, kickoff team. I'm going on a kickoff and I make, First play, you know, out the gate, bam, you know, and so then uh, same thing. We they end up scoring, so or we end up scoring and go back and kick up again and make another play. So I'm really feeling good at this point. And then uh, you know about uh, third quarter. Oh, and then I started to get some time on offense, which was great. Like I was not expecting that because I was third. I was third at, in. At, you're playing tight end yeah. as a rookie against the Giants first game. Time. Michael Strahan, you know, and and you know, yeah. Kurt Warner in the backfield. Like it's uh, you could not get better. You could not get a better scenario. So yeah, man. So I had some good times with the blocking. Uh, <laughs> Michael Strahan, you know, a little, you know, it'd be a Hall of Fame these days. Kurt Warner is the quarterback, you know, uh, you know, uh, behind us. And then on top of that, I also, uh, which I did mention, I was actually playing fullback too in in in, in pre-camp because I was technically on the roster as a second team fullback. 
So in case, uh, and so I was also playing a little fullback too, because fullback at times just kind of in, intermingles a little bit in some plays. Was it hard to remember the plays, knowing you got to be tight end and fullback potentially? Uh, no, because everything was fairly new to me. So it was like just like a clean slate. Okay. So it was, yeah. So I did, uh, and that was probably a good, good part of not playing as much tight end in college is that everything was new. So I, so everything I was taught was was brand new. I made a team probably pure on just on uh, ability and like, you know, and, and having a motor <laughs> to run through anything. And that's, that's how I made the team there. But I had to learn a lot in the league, which, which, you know, most players don't learn in the league. They already know. And then they just craft in their ability, but I was learning a whole position. I never played fullback in my life until Arizona Cardinals. Wow. So, uh, yeah, man, so that game was great. And then, you know, third, I think it was middle third quarter, go down and kick, kick off again. And I just level the sky and I hyperextend what I thought at the time, my knee. But then it didn't, like, resurface. And I was like, crap. And then uh, I went back out for a couple more plays and I just I couldn't run. And that was it. And I went in IR the rest of the year. The, the worst part about all of that uh, was that the fullback that was starting also tore his ACL the same game. Denny Green was our head coach. And he goes to me and he goes, hey, Browns, how you feeling? Of course I'm going to say, I'm good. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm, you know, it hurts. I was like, oh, I'll be all right. <laughs> he goes, well, good, because uh, you're starting fullback next week. In my head, I knew I couldn't go. And I was like, Oh, like that, that was probably the most hurtful statement like I could ever hear. Because it's like knowing that I'm starting fullback and I can't go. And then, yeah. So, so how, did, how did you deal with that mentally? Because, I mean, you worked so hard. You yeah. made it. You're right there. You're at the mountaintop. Yeah. Like, how did you handle that? You know, it, it's tough at first. Like, it really was. Like, especially – you know, I probably could have lived without that last sentence if, you know, uh, not knowing that I was going to start the next week. Knowing that, as you just said, I made it there. Not only did I make it there on the team, I'm about to start. I played my first game as a rookie free agent. I'm about to start my second game as a rookie free agent. And uh, sorry, uh, hitting the, I get, I get uh, excited, so I start hitting stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Okay. And um, so, and, you know, you just – a little bit, you don't have a lot of time. I'm, rehab is out of the gate. Um, and, you know, you're just trying to heal as fast as possible. But it definitely was a little bit – I'd be lying if I wouldn't say it was a little bit depressing, like, to, you know, to not be on the field, especially given the scenario where I was. But uh, I, I did everything I could, just continued to – rehab and, and get back and uh you know given the nature of my injury it was very long so i ended up going on ir after a few weeks it's, i mean injury reserve means that um at the time it's different these days the time when you go on injury reserve you, you you don't play the rest of the year um and so which was end up a good thing because i wouldn't be able to come back the entire year anyway so yeah it, you know it's 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 definitely tough but it's just when you're in those scenarios, you just really got to think about the next phase. Think about the positive. Think about, like, all right, uh, in this case, now it's rehab. Making the rehab the best thing 
possible, doing, uh, making the best out of it. Because, you know, if I went to a phase and I decided to uh, go, uh, you know, woe is me, then it's just not going to make any better. So mm -hmm. I, I gave it everything I had in rehab. I was still in meetings, uh, learning, learning plays, even though I wasn't going to play. But, you know, I was, I was on a mission to be able to uh, come back, uh, you know, stronger, better and stronger, you know, the next year. So That's an awesome, awesome attitude. I mean, it's all you can do, look forward. How do I deal with this? Yeah. move ahead yeah. and so then um you were there for two more years yeah mm -hmm. there's two there were two more years um i was often up and down uh my second year you know and once you go through an injury that was the first major injury i had um but once you go through an injury like that it's it takes a while to recover and so i recovered from the injury per se but my body my knee had not caught up to like a speed or um, you know, how it was. So I was still a little step behind and, you know, and then it cost me a couple of, a couple of uh, uh, down weeks, which mean I was on practice squad, uh, things like that. But uh, so I went up, kept going active to practice squad, but uh, I still had a, uh, was able to get my year in and also had a great experience um, playing and, and still played special teams and things like that. I didn't play as much uh, tight end. I ended up playing more fullback in my second year. And that's when Edron James came. I changed my number to 39 because he, he because he thought I, it would be better if I had 39 because it remind I reminded me of Larry Zonka. <laughs> nice. So I said, well, great. I take the compliment and yeah, when we changed to 39, he's like, I don't want to look at 85. Like, um, you know, because I'm playing fullback and fullback's right in front of the running back. Yeah. Like, so, like, you know, but 39 looked good on you. So, it's like, and he was my locker mate, Edwin James. And so, it's like, oh, I, will. I mean, sure, I'll change the 39. And uh, if that makes you feel better, makes you get a couple more yards, I'll change the 39. So, I ended up playing fullback. Uh, you know, the thing about fullback, it's not a very glamorous position. So, you don't really get any, a lot of stats. You just hit a lot of people. So, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, fullback and play a lot of special teams and and then uh, went to my third year uh, and uh, you know I, I just played a, a few games and then eventually uh, you know getting released and that's uh, that's another learning lesson as well is that you know things you know things sometimes transition so you just got to have to adjust and that was a big transition for me because it was the first time that I was actually going to really be a real adult. <laughs> like, you know, I was in this, in what you can say, fantasy world, you know, went from, you know, $15 as a college student to, you know, to a nice sizable, uh, a wall street, like uh, a check. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, uh, and then all of a sudden you get a situation where you're just done with football, at least for that moment I, I was. And so, that's where I really went into it. But what I had done previously, which, which is just in my nature, was I really started to study a lot of, of things of, of what to do outside of, of football. So I was, I was studying a lot of, uh, reading a lot of different books uh, and meeting with a lot of different mentors and people and advisors, business owners in, in the Phoenix area who had ran successful businesses and just picking their brains, uh, even though I didn't know what I wanted to do at that time. 
Mm. Uh, so, um, but what it allowed me was a, a system and a, and a network to be able to go to and just learn from until I kind of figure it out or find it, found out exactly, um, you know, when, if or when I was going to be back playing football. So uh, ultimately, uh, I didn't make it back in the league as fast and had a chance after, but I declined that because I was already kind of removed from, uh, months removed from it, and, and it's a lot of work to kind of get back up. So I decided to continue my path as, as, a, as a new entrepreneur and just to, what they say, kind of go to the next phase of life. And um, so eventually went through that and uh, started in real estate um, as, uh, as an investor and made some moves there. And that's, that's kind of been a, a base, basically, for my entire uh, adult life. And then uh, started network and and and, and marketing uh, companies to assist with small businesses and athletes who were looking to market their business. Uh, so you know, um, the moral to the story is that a, this adjustment of going from football to the real world is like it's a huge adjustment. And so for athletes, it's really tough because. Uh, and two reasons. Number one, you go into a scenario where you have been in a system for so long. In my case, it was, you know, just side three years, right? And then, but in some cases, it may be 10 years or five years. And then now you have to adjust into a system that, a society that everybody is accustomed to, um, business and also personally, which is a lot different from the football world. And so it, it's a really tough battle that um, you have to find yourself and overcome out of as fast as possible so you don't kind of like spiral and, and go into like uh, anything, uh, a stress, uh, whether it's, you know, mental stress or personal stress or even financial stress for, uh, for, for a lot of guys. And, um, but I was able, I, you know, a lot of great help. Uh, I, I had a time I was, I was married um, and, uh, uh, and she was a great resource for me to keep things aligned. I was married and then she, uh, uh, you know, God rest her soul, she passed away like a couple years ago. Sorry to hear that. Uh, thanks, thanks. And so, but she was literally a backbone for that particular time frame for me uh, to keep things aligned. And uh, so, uh, in theory, she was like a mentor, you know, an advisor uh, in that aspect. So that really helped me to stay on par. It sounds like at each stage you you leverage resources to support you. So whether you were was your family when you're in seventh grade saying, "Hey, get your grades up," or coaching staff, or friends at school, your your late wife, um, the networking that you did, like that's just so smart that you knew that all great things require other people. In my opinion. Absolutely. How are you able to recognize that and say, hey, I'm going to go get help, even though you don't really need help, you're at such a high level, but it'll push me even further up? Well, I just realized that, one, I didn't know everything. So the only way to, to really find the answers is, is to talk to people who had doing it or had done it, I mean, whatever that, how to take that or what, and like who have knew more than I did. So if I wanted to learn about... Financials, which I really did a lot, you know, 
talked to a very well good CPA and that it, ironically has been my CPA for years now um, about what, what do I need to do to keep a good financial plan, right? And so, or if it's about real estate, talk to you know, people that have done it effectively about that or, or marketing, all the same things. So I think a lot of times in us, especially as uh, business owners uh, on a whole, sometimes we feel like that we can't take it, like it's, it's like a taboo or whatever. I don't like to take advice from other people, other mentors. Like, no, that's a smart thing to do. I'm always the first to say, I don't know everything. And, and most people, I'm usually the dumbest person in the room and I have no problem saying that uh, as far as information is concerned. But when it comes to maybe a process or streamlining things, which is, that's basically what you're saying, I think I'm pretty effective in that aspect and know to ask, to have the right network and know to ask the right people the right questions uh, there. So I, I think just through all of that, I, um, a, a lot of those things will kind of shine in your um, personality too. So I wasn't really, I wasn't uh, afraid to ask questions. And also I wasn't too big for the platform. And as players, football players, a lot of times, and this is a huge problem, a lot of times football players can get really, uh, what, is, what was the term, uh, bigger than your britches, I think that's what you say, meaning that like, oh, like everybody should come to them. I wasn't like that. I was, I was the person that uh, also went to the other person, especially if they were a non-sport related person that could help me into, um, you know, my interest in, 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 uh, in, in a business or something like that. So a lot of it has to do with personality. And so once, once you are, are acceptive and, and people, people will feel that and they'll want to connect with you. So I can't even say that, like everything, like I just like went to his Rolodex and started just calling people. That's not how it worked. It literally, some of it just happened just from, you know, connection feeling because they understood that I was open, even though I was a football player and I'm open. I don't know everything and also I'm willing. And they also know that they have a lot of information. <laughs> so it's a mutual benefit. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I just think being just being open and, and being willing to be a part of other people will help get what you want as well. And that's what I try to do along the way uh, on mostly anything that uh, you know I'm involved in. That's great. That's that's amazing. Yeah. And and so and so, what do you spend your time doing today? What are you, what's your core sort of business focus now? Yeah. So uh, up until uh, so, let me give you this quick. Oh, you bridge the gap. Yeah. 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 A, a quick roundabout. So. I had, uh, I had been marketing, John Brunson Marketing, and still uh, marketing company, which is kind of some creative projects here and there. I really just condensed that as of a, as about three weeks ago because I've been working on this big project, uh, and I have to send you some of these, it's, uh, <clears throat> that I invested in called Finger Licking Dutch Strobe Waffles. And there's these strobe waffles. Is there a strobe waffle? What's it called? A strobe waffle. It's a caramel cookie with it's a it's a wafer cookie with caramel inside. So, uh, I haven't had it, but it sounds amazing. It is amazing. So I have to get you some. So um, so my girlfriend uh, uh, now she's a, she's super great uh, uh, and she's a, she's a wonderful and uh, she's from the Netherlands um, and been my biggest supporter and for everything it started that way. Um, but she came up with this idea to bring these things over to America. After you have one, you'll go, okay, 
that makes absolute sense. So over about a year or so ago, we started the process. And now next week or a yeah, week and a half, we have a whole import coming up straight the strobe office to distribute uh, uh, nationally. So um, my focus right now is, is my, new, my newest project is Finger-Link and Dust strobe office, but I still have clients in the creative marketing space that we still service uh, uh, very heavily and uh, that, you know, been been with me for a while. And But I haven't, I've condensed a lot, haven't taken on any new clients and just focused on Finger-Link and Dust strobe office. So. Man, your, your Wikipedia page is going to read John Bronson, uh, formerly known as the Penn State and Arizona Cardinals football player, but most notable for bringing the Dutch treat strobe waffles to America in yeah. an epidemic where it's the number one snack in the country. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, we're so excited right now by it. And uh, it's such a great snack. And I, and I, and I, I kid you not, like, when you try it, you know, you'll be, like, you'll be calling me more. Um, and so, uh, so I, and I'm excited to, to get out there. Uh, I love being in front of, uh, in front of people. And, and, uh, so I spent a few years, just in past years, kind of just like, uh, under the radar, so to speak, behind a computer or so, so, so to speak, but I love to get out there. And, and, uh, so we have these strobe bubbles coming in that will really, really be a good thing. So yeah, man. So that's my new project. It's going to be fun and, and, uh, I'm really excited about it. It sounds amazing. I'd love to try them. They, I, I pulled up, I have to admit, I pulled up some pictures here and they look delicious. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, I, really, it really reminds me of um, when I was in college, I did one semester in Barcelona, Spain. Yeah. And I spent the whole semester just seeing all these like foods and ideas. And I was like, these all could be taken to America and you can make so much money doing this stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. What really set it off the top for me was that my, my girlfriend's Dutch. So and we go to Netherlands, you know, at least uh, two or three times a year. And so you just, it's like when something is also still so powerful in, in their own country and you realize that it's not in the country that you live in, you're like, this is, this doesn't make any sense. Like there's still lines. This thing's been in the Netherlands for, you know, 50 or 60, 70, 100 years. Yeah. And there is not, there is like very, there's sprinkles in the United States and it's still, it's selling like crazy. Why is it not here? So. Yeah, it worked out. Uh, we're super excited to be able to bring them over. And the, the real Dutch waffles, that's the thing. That's what we're focused on, bringing the real Dutch waffles to America. And that's, uh, that's what we're set off to do. I love it. That's awesome. And, and so as we were just talking about, uh, I think before we started the show, you said you, you really love to travel um, based on your upbringing. Love to travel. Love, love, love to travel. So, I mean, travel is our, is our number one focus. My girlfriend loves to travel, too, so it works out for both of us. And, uh, yeah, man, we've uh, been a lot of, just like yourself, a lot of amazing places, just between uh, two of us. A lot of places in Europe these days, because we're always that way, but um, uh, basically everywhere in Italy. I mean, uh, uh, Venice, is, is interesting, interesting place in Venice. Um, Milan, Rome, Rome was very interesting. I mean, uh, what was the one missing? Pisa, Bologna or Bologna, <laughs> I think that's Bologna. <laughs> I think Bologna makes Bologna, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, so Italy, um, Belgium is also very nice. I love Belgium. I love Belgium, and when you start to talk about waffles, I, yeah, I started right. to make me think about Belgium. Yeah, Belgium. Uh, obviously, obviously, the Netherlands. Been to every place on the Netherlands. About. Uh, if you ever been to Netherlands, other than Amsterdam, most of us go to Amsterdam. 
if you ever go to Netherlands, uh, you have to go to a place called Kinderdijk. You have to go to a place called Rotterdam. Um, Den Haag. There's so many little cities in the Netherlands other than Amsterdam that uh, you would have a ton of a blast at. And so, yeah, just everywhere, man. Uh, a lot of time in the Caribbean. I spent half of my time in the Caribbean in, in Curaçao, which is right next to Aruba. Mm, that's where they make that drink, blue Curaçao, right? Yeah, exactly. They make blue Curaçao there. I spent half my time in, in, in Curaçao, and then the other time, the other half, like right now, I'm in Philadelphia. Um, and so, um, again, love to travel. Uh, we, we integrate that with our with our workload, and uh, it's but it's 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 a part of it. So you know, it's not like oh, we work to travel. We travel and you know our business is like all in one it's like part of it so and that's how we like to to move forward and and to to make it happen to allow us to travel and work at the same time so that's awesome living living the dream oh man just trying to be like you (laughs) (laughs) remote remote travel passive income i I really i really appreciate that and Before we wrap up and do some link sharing and wherever I can find you online, yeah. um, how would you kind of summarize, like, you know, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice, you've, you know, played elite football at many different levels, you've battled adversity, not getting drafted, losing a loved one, like, and, and I see you're just so optimistic, positive thinking, strong, like, how could you share some of this with our listeners to help them get motivated to maybe take action in their life? You know, I would say, number one, it's important to understand that we all only have one life to live, right? So, you know, YOLO, you only live once, right? So if you start there and understand that, then, like, don't take that for granted. Uh, it'll help you automatically to want to, to one, do what you want to do uh, or, or do what you have to do to do what you want to do. And then also do those things uh, as a hundred percent of the best way you can. And so uh, it's very little steps to really be able to, um, uh, to do things that will get you to reach and obtain the goals that you want. Things in life are going to happen. As you alluded to, I mean, I've came across everything, uh, you know, uh, being released, death, uh, and, um, you know, uh, even felt businesses at some point in time, which we kind of skipped over a little bit. I mean, every, every entrepreneur has those. And not throwing in the towel, like knowing that you just kind of brush it off and you keep going is important. I mean, the minute that you throw in the towel, meaning that you just give up, uh, that's the minute that you uh, are conquered. So um, for me, it was really important and it's bigger than me. It's, that I feel that I have people around me, whether it's my my team and business, whether it's my siblings, uh, whether it's you know um, you know my, my girlfriend or or at the time who was my you know my, my wife or um, in the past, I felt I have obligation to others. So when you can put yourself and feel that you have an obligation also to others to be better, or it can be a charity, it doesn't have to be that close, but just something something greater than you. you feel you have something greater than you that that you can, that you need to, uh, you need to really move forward with, I think it'll help to be able to press forward. 
Does that make any sense? Like it's, you know, sometimes we get stuck in our, oh, it's just about me type of scenario, but it really isn't. It's about the people that are things you want to support around you. And once we can really identify those things that are important to you, uh, it will help really to give you the motivation to want to do better. And that's how it is. So, and I'll, I'll leave with this for right now. Like if you'd ask me what, what are the things that like motivates me? Like, in one, one, it's, it's my, it's my, uh, it's my team. My team works extremely hard, you know, to, to help, help me and my, uh, you know, everybody, my IT people, my, uh, assistant, you know, they all work hard. So I feel like I'm obligated to also give my best effort to them. Um, you know, my, my, my girlfriend, she is, she's great. She helps me and as personally as, as possible with, with anything that's not, you know, uh, and now even business related, so she's in, in, in the waffles business that, uh, that I can to help me be better, whether it's my friends or my family, you know, they all play a role, uh, in supporting and have support, especially through and having to uh, lose a loved one. So all those people, I feel that I'm obligated to give my best effort with and everything I do. And that'll also help you or help, uh, help you motivate yourself to want to uh, give more to your surroundings. That's amazing. I mean, that's just so powerful. And, you know, kind of when you have a mission that's bigger than just yourself, mission I think. Is bigger than yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, exactly right. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, today, you know, I, I am laser focused and live your best life. Uh, give a hundred percent to the day and let everything else um, just, just, just flow, flow into place. And you do that, you find more happiness. You find uh, more, I also feel more good things come your way when you just, when, when you, when you are into something bigger than yourself and you, you, you give more, and also, uh, you just uh, you feel you feel better. You feel better for it. So, yeah. I love it. Words of wisdom from former NFL player and waffle mogul to be, John Brunson. John, thank you so much again for coming on the show. It's been great getting to know you, being in touch through my Instagram program over the past year. Um, where can people find you to either? follow you online, learn more, and obviously get the updates on the Strobe Waffles. Yeah, for sure. Well, let me say this, and, and I definitely appreciate your Instagram program. It's been, a, it's been very impactful uh, for actually not just one business, but two now. Don't charge me double belt now. Buy <laughs> <laughs> one, get one free, man. <laughs> but uh, no, it's been very impactful, and, uh, and, and so we've learned a lot and, and to be able to to, to scale and to, and to really integrate into our, our marketing plan. So I really appreciate uh, you for that. Um, so yeah, Instagram, we're very active. Uh, me personally, actually, I'm, I'm moving over. It's John Bronson, Eek7. Um, and that's my personal one. So I'm giving my personal one. I'm moving over a lot to my personal. It's more active, more fun. Uh, and then also, if you want to follow the Strobe Waffles uh, on Instagram, you can go to fingerlickingdutch.com, at fingerlickingdutch.com. Uh, and you can follow us there. We have a lot of great announcements, a lot of great photos for you. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that should probably do it. I think it'll navigate from there everything else, right? Yeah, yeah, you get the link in bio. I'm going to put that all in the show notes for the listeners. So if you want to see more about John's personal account, yeah. at John Brunson 87 yeah. I love the uh, pictures from Penn State. 
Sorry again about the loss. I know you guys will get the Buckeyes next time. Yeah, I'm still still a little pissed off about that one, but <laughs> hey man, uh, <laughs> I really want to just again thank you for coming on the show. Not only for inspiring me because this is one of those episodes that I go back and I'm going to listen to when I'm in the gym next, but for the listeners out there as well. So thanks again, John, for coming on the show. Hey, Brendan, thanks for having me.